welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul McAmallon and I'm delighted to introduce you to a conversation that I had with Ross Parkle, who is the brains and the organiser of the Stendhal Arts Festival. Um, Stendhal Arts Festival is a is a two-day festival that takes place in just outside Limavati on the Ballymully uh, Cottage Farm. Um, about two miles outside Limavati. It takes place on the 12th and 13th of August. It's been going for a few years now um, and it brings together um, some of the best local musicianship but some brilliant artists from across the island of Ireland and international from an international acclaim as well. Um, thinking about startups and thinking about small to medium sized businesses, it's not that often you get exposure to an organisation or a festival um, uh, that has grown uh, its audience 20% year on year over the last three or four years. If you did that in any other business, you would be certainly hitting the headlines and um, Stendhal deserves to be hitting the headlines for all those reasons too. Um, it had a press launch yesterday where it's, it announced um, its lineup for the year, which includes um, Badly Drawn Boy um, Therapy, DJ Yoda, Hesse Dixie, Lynched, um, uh, Pat McManus Band, which would be a favourite of mine, and a few others as well. well. A few others, enough to keep everybody interested and entertained over two days. Um, it's like a mini Glastonbury um you get a good feel for what it's like to organise an event of that scale. Uh, Ross is very, very passionate about his craft and about this particular space. He's very, very um, keen to see this event grow and grow and grow. Um, a very ambitious, very smart guy, but a brilliant conversation and a, and a little insight into what it takes to make a festival like this work. Um, it seems to be passion is one of the key drivers, but there's so much that's out of your control. When you talk about weather, you talk about the performance, um, musical taste, you talk about um, the performance of artists, a lot of it's outside of your control and in business the key is to try and get control of the controllables. So um, enjoy the conversation. Um, a little bit of disclosure, I started at the beginning um, of the conversation to introduce a bit of music but I bottled it because I'm not sure if what the performing rights uh, issues are. The music was Hesse Dixie, Highway to Hell, and a, they're one of the headliners of the weekend. So that will give you a tee up to the conversation. Um, it also gives you an idea of how little backbone I have, um, because knowing the luck I have, they'd be chasing me for that. So um, enjoy the conversation and a, go to standalfestival.com and uh, book your tickets because it's really um, a, a brilliant jewel in the entertainment crowd across the north. So uh, enjoy it and I'll see you soon. All right, so um, good afternoon and welcome to the uh, the podcast. I'm sat here with um, Ross from the Stendhal uh, Festival and breaking straight in, Ross, what's the significance of the music there? Oh, well, that's uh, Hazy Dixie. Uh, here we have booked to come along and play this year on the Saturday night main stage. Um, so yeah, they're, they're great. Obviously, they've done a lot of cover albums. Uh, the most famous one being the ACDC one. Um, so they'll really get... Crowd going along about it, there's no doubt about it. Uh, a few ciders in them, and everybody will be loving a bit of the, the bluegrass. Okay, so I'm gonna uh, strip that all back. And um, Stendhal Festival is on in August, it's a homegrown festival, it's uh, you're a brainchild of the whole organization. So tell everybody what the um, what the festival what it is and uh, where it sits in the landscape of entertainment in, in Northern Ireland? Well, the festival uh, to me really is, you know, um, I, well, I suppose i give you a bit of the history of how it all came about. Uh, I went to Glastonbury, age 20, uh, and I knew it was my first festival and my first uh, first proper gig, I suppose. And it just sort of, prior to that, I was into rugby and beer and cars and all the rest. And uh, <clears throat> this whole other world existed. You know, I went to Glastonbury age 20 and I had heard of Radiohead, but I couldn't have named you a Radiohead song. They were headlining that year? Yep, them and R.E.M. and Moby. Very good. So that had a massive impact. And then from then on, then I was a regular gig goer and all the rest. And started going to festivals every season. Um, and often at festivals, we sort of joked about, oh, it'd be great to do something like this in the Mavadi. And then a friend said to me in 2008, what about putting a festival on? And at that time, uh, I was due to move to London in the September. And I just packed up my job at work and, and tried to put on a festival. Uh, my 2008 didn't happen. Uh, I cancelled a few days 
before actually because the we had problems getting a, a license on the Sabbath day and we had three special meetings of our council, etc. etc. Okay. Um so so moved to London, paid off uh paid off paid that off and then in two thousand eleven we got the festival going again. Um and it was very much two thousand eight was we were a bit younger and it was more of a commercial thing. Uh, 2011 then it was much more of a community um, angle to it you know and it was kind of Thunderbolt moment to sort of rekindle the festival came when I was at St Paul's protest camp um, randomly enough um, and that <coughs> that really led us to to where we are today now it's hard to believe we're, we're approaching year six and we've won Ireland's best small festival three years in a row Okay, so so that um, just just to jump in there because um, hopefully when you're hearing this at this stage, the lineup for 2016 will have been launched. You've secured a very strong media partnership with the Irish News and their radio group as well for the year. Um, and just as you said, there this has been the Ireland's best small festival for three years in a row. Okay. Um, just going back, a festival in Limavady, a music festival in Limavady, takes a lot of hard work. You must have a lot of stuff that's going with you in terms of community support, but you must have a lot of stuff that's that you're fighting against all the time. Oh, hundred uh, percent, all the time we're fighting. I mean, I suppose the, the only reason the festival exists is because we have such a great team. There's been such buy-in. You know, we have uh, we have at least a hundred volunteers, sixty of which would be active for three or four months of the year. Doing all manner of jobs, um, and that's that's them. That's the reason that we're still there. You know, very few of the local sports clubs could say that they have such good voluntary input, um, and we're an arts arts organisation. You know, um, and a big part of you know the, I suppose back in two thousand and eight, the ignorance, for want of a better word, from the local council, they thought it was just a big rave and, and whatever, but the whole ethos of the festival is. But it's very much a family event and you know i felt going to glastonbury age 20 that i wasn't exposed to the arts uh, i didn't want to draw an apple at school i didn't want to learn a recorder but there was a wealth of a world beyond that stuff you know and i and i you know it's it's, it's funny kids growing up maybe in belfast have exposure to a lot more stuff um but in Limavady you don't have that exposure so i suppose for me it's like a micro economic rural arts project uh we believe Heavily creativity is the seat of innovation, and we want to expose kids to the arts. Uh, with my economics background, and over the longer term, that that can lead to less reliance on public sector employment, and uh, ergo, that might lead to happier people. Okay, and they, um, uh, I, I can't remember the year that I first met you up there. Um, I know that Lana Anderson was 2013. 2013 so. For the uninitiated, Lan Anderson is playing cello with Hosier around the world and uh, playing in the, on the David Letterman show and places like that. And she cut her teeth and played a few tunes at the Standal Festival. And there are other artists that, are, that have come through. Um, it's a really, uh, it's a mixture of a showcase for local artists. Kieran Avery played the last two years. Yeah, is that right? Soak. Yeah, and Soak. Okay. Yeah. And then you've got some really big bands, big name bands that have come through. Um, yeah, we've had I mean, headline acts, I suppose. We've had uh, Frightened Rabbit. We had Donovan playing last year, who's uh, an absolute legend. Um, we've had Neil, Neil Hannon, Divine Comedy, um, Kieran Briggs, Henry McCulloch, who uh, is the only man to play Woodstock from these parts. Uh, we've had a real, we've had a great lineup. Paddy Casey's uh, been with us a couple of years. Um, so I mean, obviously it's all all scalability, and we're learning every every year, every day, every week about the industry itself and the controls of artists, of the bigger artists. Because the whole the whole model of the festival was was to bring in international artists that would attract larger audiences. But ninety five percent of the weekend is is local artists that are getting broader and wider audiences, uh, and the audiences then themselves are getting to see a mixture and an array of local arts. Whereas if you went uh, to a local gig and somewhere like Limavady and even Belfast, you know, you get a band playing by a dozen people, you know, and that happens uh, regularly. Whereas if they're playing at Stendhal, they're playing by 100 plus as a minimum. So that's from a platform perspective, that's that's what we do for artists. Uh, and we've now got a big profile where we get 400 
bands are playing every year. They play at the festival. Everybody wants to come back, um, which is, is, is hard from, as a programmer, but that's great at the same time because the appetite's there for it. Um, and we just see kind of strength to strength, hopefully. Start, startups um, in this world that we live in um, currently typically focus on tech startups. Um, you might get people starting up um, engineering businesses and, and in Tyrone, for example, there are 157 engineering businesses that have all probably started up as a consequence of the power screen empire and the success of, of that particular genre of, of uh, engineering. Um, and you're a startup in the pure sense too. You started up, you've got, you're going through the growing pains, you've gone through growth pains. Um, at some point, you're going to go through uh, issues relating to scale because you want to get bigger. You want to make it uh, more, uh, bring more acts to the one place. You want to make it more profitable. You want to reinvest that money. And um, what stage are you in your development right now? I would say, uh, I mean, when we set out, it was a five-year plan. Uh, and all I can really say is that we've made it to year six. It definitely hasn't been easy. Uh, you know, when we're, last year, we... As a business, we got quite a substantial capital grant, but we managed and operated two hundred and seventy thousand pounds worth of business through through the bank, if you know what I mean. And then on top of that, human resource all voluntary. There was probably another quarter of a million for us, so we're we're a half million pound business the way I look at it. I might not be paying those wages, uh, but that's from my perspective what needs to be overseen and and, and organised. Um, so growth pains are are definitely there. Uh, there's absolutely no doubt about it, and, and there's a lot of pressure organizing what I can, what I often compare to 15 or 20 weddings all in the same weekend. Um, <laughs> Why would you do that? Like, you know, I don't know. I <laughs> question that sometimes, you know, yeah. but that's one's bad enough. That's uh, you know, and scale is as one as as the big thing, you know, and that's. That's why we need to rally support and get people behind it, especially the rural arts thing. You know, I can't hammer home enough about rural arts. And I recently done a bit of work on the Arts Council and their funding. So their annual funding program, which would su su support core costs, wages and rents and tax cutting and stuff for arts organisations. Oh, 14 million pounds distributed through that, that funding program. 78% of the money goes to Belfast organisations, which serves what 30 35 percent of the population so that to me is a, is a massive thing uh which needs addressed for for everybody because basically it says to me that anybody outside belfast is a class citizen as far as arts provision goes and that's really essentially how stand all started uh, so it's quite interesting to delve into those figures five years in uh and, and, and sort of look at it at scale so are you saying that that i mean financially they're not as supportive of the rural arts um, are they supportive of what you're doing? Uh, they have been in the past uh, on a on a small level, which I can understand. You know, we were a new organisation and all the rest. And uh, you know, I think a, a big part of it is is that is that there maybe wasn't or isn't not great English those organisations out in the rural of us. But that's the problem, and that needs addressed, and that needs a policy, and that needs a fund, uh, and nurturing and uh, promoted, and you know inspire people to to go and, and to work within the arts in those places you know so it's kind of you know i don't blame them that 78 percent of the money goes to belfast because if that's where uh that's where cows cow get milked you know what i mean yeah but then i suppose like with everything the burden of responsibility is for you to to make yourself heard because they don't live in uh, ivory tower much to you know they it's a hard job you get you get oh, you get right, 14, 14 million you've got to you've got to, everything's accountable you've got to go through the hoops you've got to go through all this vetting process they can only really judge and monitor what's put in front of them and some other stuff sells itself better than others and but in, in the rural areas you've got things going on and and drama um all over tyrone uh, from my own experience i know that there's a lot of stuff going on up there You've got a lot of events uh, in, in the Brantry, like the Kyotis, the, the uh, traditional music. Um, there's a real sort of underground, it's not underground because it's very open. Um, do you guys need to get together and start creating a rural lobby then? Or do you have to just fight for your own piece of the pie? Well, I, think, uh, I, mean, I think the way forward is, is to get 
organizations together, definitely, you know, rather than me knocking at the door, a bunch of us knocking at the door, it's obviously going to be stronger. You know, and I'm under no illusions that uh, the Arts Council have a very hard job, you know, um, but can't argue with those figures, really. Uh, and I know a lot of Belfast organizations as part of their work will have outreach figures outside the city and post codes and, and all the rest. And that's great, and I, I don't uh, I don't dismiss the value in that, but I just think there's a critical problem if, if there's no arts organisations. I mean, 22% of the money, That's there's three other cities within that mix. There's a town to hell a lot bigger than Limavati. You know, and it's it's just... And that has obviously manifested itself within... If that budget started at 1 million over the years... Growing um, and growing. It's growing and growing and growing. Yeah. You know, and you've you your flagship Max and, and Lyric Theatres and all, and, uh, and they're important places, don't get me wrong, but the bottom line is, for me, is that there needs to be resource or policy that looks at rural arts provision, because uh, to me, the arts, you know, inspire, they allow people to self-express, they allow people to gain self-confidence, they allow people to be social and not have to, you know, I don't watch TV, a lot of people come home, watch TV all night and that's it, whatever, and that's, that's obviously their right, but I think there's a lot more out there in life to, to experience, and I think the arts is a massive, massive part of that, and even then, if you're looking at central policy, the arts versus sport, funding-wise, is, is, is a fraction, whereas a lot of sports you can play until you're 30, 35, competitively, whereas you can do the arts, you know, we had a 93-year-old woman come in to one of our workshops uh, that was out at a care home, and she started knitting for the first time, Three weeks later, she admitted her grandson, a card, her great grandson, a cardigan, and the nurses in, in the nursing home commented on how her dexterity had improved massively. Yeah, ninety-three. But it, but it, but but that with that um, I mean that's a, a really good example because if you take a look at the uh, rural and urban differences in um, rates of depression and suicides and all that sort of stuff, there are places. Um, the further away you get from Belfast, it's 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 harder. Those things aren't talked about. There's not the infrastructure, and the, and sort of this cause and effect. Um, the you know there there's a lot to do in the city. There's a lot yeah. of stuff. You got a lot of variety and a lot of choice, and you got places you can turn to for social uh, outlets and everything else. And in the rural areas, um, there's certainly uh, there aren't those outlets available. Um, and you know you've you've set up something that is amazing. Like just just to put this in, in context, you're talking about. Um, reaching out to what four 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 thousand people over two days? Yeah, four four to five thousand. Okay, so, so you see, four 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 to five thousand people tip up to a beautiful. It's an absolutely stunning uh, location just outside outside Limavady, and I want you to talk about that a bit a bit more, Ross. But but what you've got is like say five thousand people um, with as much entertainment as you're ever going to need over two days. And if you can consider anybody who's familiar with the music scene and thinks about Glastonbury as this big commercial event, which, which ultimately it is because it's got to make money and it certainly hasn't got to lose money, you've got a really a, a, a scaled-down version of that going on, um, you know, what, 50 or 60 minutes out of Belfast. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's it. And it's, you know, it's even as when you're mentioning there about infrastructure and stuff, it's... You know, that's obviously a massive thing within, within rural abyss, if you like. Um, but for me, breaking down those barriers, I suppose, by the likes of TransLink and NI Railways, and, and trying to get open uh, open the gate a wee bit, that we are 60 minutes from Belfast. Yeah. You know, that it's not it's not a million miles away. And you know, we're coming to the north coast, and our site is stunning within the valley. You know, it's just... Uh, so, so do a bit of do a bit of uh, uh, visualization there. Let's, let's paint a picture. What's this like? What's this place like? So What's the name of it first of all? So the name of the site is Valley Molly Cottage Farm, uh, and the fest it's just outside two miles outside Limo Valley, uh, and it's nestled down below the start of the Sparrows. Um, and our main, I suppose our main, we have two two sort of entertainment fields if you like. We have the main field as we call it, which is the main stage and has Annan's Arch, which is a whole willow. Uh, area um, we have glamping and uh, family tents uh, oh yes music centre and the nerve centre run a stage and have some, some food and drink um, but then the bottom 
find is Karma Valley, which was really the a big part of the driver for me uh, in doing the festival. It's just an absolutely stunning location. Large valley. Uh, we have two or three stages within the valley: Karma Valley stage, the air stage, the garden shed stage. Then we have two wood, wooded areas, Wood Town stage and the Woolly Woodland stage, um, which are just magical. I mean, one of it's just carpeted blue bells, which uh, makes us think why we don't do the festival at this time of year. But ultimately, they'd, they'd, get, they'd get erect and they'd never never be back. So it's, yeah. it's a very good thing. It's not, um, uh, this medium is not the most visual or, or uh, it's not a great platform for, for to draw that kind of imagery, but you have a picture on your uh, Twitter feed at the minute, which is off the blue the bluebells just kind of getting their heads up. Yeah. Um, if you go down to the site, I suppose anybody that's into music and into culture, got families, um, and you want to think of a way to spend time to get out of the city or to do something different that's off the beaten track, and you've got more than a passing interest in good music, and you've got a more than passing uh, interest in nature, the arts, craft, it's a deadly place to go to, like. Yeah, I mean, it's got it's got everything as far as arts wise go. You know, the whole thing for me when when I went to Glastonbury and the festivals thereafter is that when you go in the gates of a festival, you kind of forget the outside world. You know, um, mobile phones become less important, all the rest, and you're just immersed in, in art. You know, everywhere around you at Stendhal, it's all hand painted signage for from no smoking to uh, to whatever our new golf scoreboard for for stage times and stuff. Uh, everything's hand hand handmade and handcrafted, uh, and they essentially turn the blank canvas of a large farm uh, into venues and stages. We've got uh, our fifty or sixty volunteers make happen, and every Sunday, every evening, sort of now, there's people there's people on the farm now. Um, and, stuff, you know? and so give us that scale again so you're you're going to be catering for up to five thousand people how many volunteers do you have we have a team of about 100 volunteers come the festival weekend that'll probably be about 140 so 100, 140 volunteers and how many bands and acts perform over the two days they'll be in the region of 70 to 80 uh, including the nerve center so that um, I, you and I have been talking about this before. I think I can't remember the exact year. I think it's eighty three or eighty four, and my very first concert ever was Bob Dylan down in Slane Castle, and um, we didn't sleep. Me and a couple of other guys have been down. We did. We didn't sleep for like two or three days, and that's not. That's just because of the the hype and the the excitement of seeing Bob Dylan, UB Forty, Santana, and Tuanua. We're playing and the weather was amazing and there's always a throwback to to the weather at the time or way back on that day the weather always been so uh, warmer in the, in the in the in the summer and that but weather's a massive impact on what you do like i mean um has it has it affected attendances dramatically when it's bad I don't, I don't i don't believe the weather has affected our attendance as such i mean last year was the first year that we didn't see uh, substantial growth in our in our visitors and the weather hadn't been great for like ten days of the fourteen days leading in. It was like looking out the window, where are we, where are we at this, you know? Um, but I, you know, we haven't had a good year two, two thousand and twelve. I mean, it was wet when we were down twenty thirteen. Yeah. Two thousand and twelve was the last dry festival that we had, um, and our figures have grown. That was two and a half thousand people to over four thousand people. So. Um, so you get does, you get year on year growth and audiences regardless of the weather. That this what twenty percent year on year on year. Yeah, well, we had a we had a slight dip in attendance last year, but that that was due really to not securing a Saturday night headliner. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, and again, that sort of links back to to the industry and our ability to be able to scale and take risks. So that was the major flaw last year for us, uh, which affected our attendance. But it's still markedly up. On, on where we were in 2012, mm -hmm. you know, and the weather was bad last year, and it was bad in 2014 when there was over 4,000 there. But, you know, last year we invested 20 to 25,000 in roads and pathways. Most stages are under cover. This year, we've just last weekend, we've dug another 600 meters worth of pathways. You know, so all that stuff with time uh, will, will help. 
it's, it's really underfoot with, with people there, but especially because there's a lot of families, buggies. Yeah. Know, if we have pathways around um, and everything's undercover, the only way that they can come in is comfortable. Um, the weather's not going to be as big an issue as as people think. It's definitely an issue. I mean, if it's a, if it is a bad weekend, I've no doubt it crosses 10 to 15% through the gate. No doubt about that. Um, but we still at it today. Because it's, it's it's all about the controllables and the uncontrollables, the stuff you can that that's that that you can take take really good care of, and the stuff that you can look out for, and there's all the stuff you just got to throw it up in the air and see how it comes down. And the weather's one of those things, you know, yeah. you, you've you've no control over that. Um, the week the, the day that I went up, I remember distinctly that it was a really glorious day, but it started to rain when I was there, but it didn't put anybody off at all, and it's amazing that there's a really really comfortable. Um, it's a secure, safe, comfortable, creative, uh, peaceful, tranquil uh, space. It's just the perfect spot for for this kind of event because you just feel it's not. You can't sound really twee and say you're at one with nature, but you're listening to really, really good music, slap bang in the middle of the countryside, and it's it's really easy on the eye. Like it's beautiful. Yeah, well, that's 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 it, and that's the whole. I suppose the, the attraction of doing it on you know on on our site in, in Karma Valley. Uh, it is just stunning, you know, and, and even you know, I'm hammering on about rural arts. You know, I, I had a meeting last week with uh, Wee Lodge Arts, you know, and there's as much value in bringing kids out of the city to experience that as there is in, in trying to get kids in, in the rural to experience the arts. You know what I mean? Absolutely. There's, there's those gulfs there. It's two very different aliens, you know, that, that, Yeah. The countryside's alien to the city folk and the arts are alien to the rural folk and the, and the thing about it is too back in 1984 or whatever it was whenever I went to see Bob Dylan like there was no it didn't compete with anything Bob Dylan coming to Ireland was like everything stopped yep. and it made it made the headline news it made the headline news because there was boys cowping guard cars over about 4 o'clock in the morning they were racking the place there was a bit of a rat going on and yeah. I, I obviously wasn't involved in that um, I didn't even hear anything you, you head back up the road and, and I remember uh Parents and friends saying, "Did you see the rat? Well, what rat? You know, um, eighty-five to ninety thousand people at it. So stuff will go on. But now you're competing with everything. You're competing with box sets. You're competing with Netflix. You're competing with, uh, you know, social media. You're competing with um, YouTube, Spotify, everything that's just landed onto your mobile phone, and you don't even have to leave. As long as you got your phone with you and you're connected." You can you don't have to go anywhere, and that's a real problem. I think I think yeah. that's your biggest problem because you're competing with stuff that's completely outside of your gift. Yeah, it's hard, you know. Um, so the lineup for this year, um, Hesse Dixie, right? A uh, bluegrass shit kicking bluegrass, yeah. which would be fairly good for the Friday night. I'm guessing closing headline on Friday. Uh, to be confirmed. Okay. Uh, I think they're I think they're booked for the Saturday, uh, um, possibly. Second, second, so the breakfast show. Second, <laughs> second last act. Second last. Okay, yeah. so beat that then. So, so go through the go through the lineup. Who's in it? Uh, so the lineup. Uh, we have badly drawn boy. Um, on coming on the Saturday. Um, it's Mercury winner. Everybody, everybody recognizes badly drawn boy. Um, An incredible songwriter, like incredible yeah, lyricist, uh, and an all round good guy. Like you yeah. know, listen to many interviews he's done, and he's just. He's Good view in the world. It's know, very comparable to the Turin breaks kind of thing. From, yeah. So you so you pitch it in at, and I don't want to stereotype and pigeonhole artists because that's not why they make their their stuff and that's not what their craft is about. But there's a certain artist and a type of artist that that will be very appealing to a family, um, as well as to you know young kids that young lads and people who are into the musical want to go yeah. to. You got to get a good spread of stuff. Oh, uh, we we try every year from a or. From the music perspective, they really have classical to death metal, opera to top of the arc, you know, that's they, they want a bit of everything, uh, despite life and all that. Uh, and then I suppose outside the music, from, from the arts perspective, they try and have a bit of everything, all the other sort of mediums, you know. Uh, the rest of our, our lineup, music wise, we have Therapy, uh, which are going to be great. Um, Good family act. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I'd say they'll they'll close the stage probably on the on the well, we can't say anything. Yeah, to be, to confirmed. be confirmed. Yeah, uh, we have DJ Yoda who I've seen many times. Uh, he's absolutely brilliant. He's a, a visual 
two as well as the gem, you know, it's not a well, we'll see what he comes up with. But traditionally he does a lot of uh Disney Springfield mixed in and stuff. You know, it's all That's brilliant, yeah, yeah. It's uh, good vibes. Um and then we have Lynched, who I'm a huge fan of. Um I've seen them three or four times playing in a in a an old Keeley house, I think twenty, thirty people. Um over the last year and in the last year they've been picked up by Jules Holland. They've had a massive profile with Channel Four during the Easter Rising and they played the Royal Albert Hall three weeks ago. So if you wanna if you if you're listening to this and you wanna get a juke at it, you go to um uh, YouTube you type in Lynched and Jules Holland and there you have it. There's they yeah. do two or three songs in that show, don't they? Uh, they don't they don't do on the on the live thing, but there I think there's three on YouTube. Right, okay. Um, okay. But I say, three weeks ago, they're on the Royal Albert Hall. They were nominated for the Radio 2 for the awards. You know, so they're just about to, to go. So um, you're just, just, just holding that there. You've got to put this in context. I, I like music. And I, you know, um, I don't have a monopoly on, on good or bad taste. Nobody does. But if you take a look at the, your track record since since start, you've got uh, Alana Henderson, who's been playing, who is an exceptional cellist and singer. In her own right, before she got even into the Hoosier gig, yeah. you have Kieran Lavery, who's just about to go crazy. He's fantastic from Lurgan, he's yeah. a local fella. Um, you've had a the church and breaks. You've got Bobby Drawn Boy. Um, all the local talent, all of this is on your doorstep, right? And it's such a gift. Like ticket prices, we'll talk about that in a second. I'll give you a chance to pitch that in. But this is a really, really brilliant weekend or day out for families across Ireland, not just the north. Yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised the amount of families we get from England and Scotland. I, so I wouldn't be surprised. Simply like, because of our, of our ticket price, I guess. You know, yeah. that's such such value for money. You know, ticket price at the moment will cost you £65 for a family to get. Yeah. You know, uh, that, that will go up to £75 after announcements. Um so you know it's 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 very good value. We target the families because it brings a, just a unique atmosphere to the event. We have four generation families that come to the event, uh, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, that's that's the big driver. It's it's there. You know, we're one of two in Northern Ireland doing what we do. Summer camping festival, you know, music and arts festival. Yeah. And we are we're competing against as you rightly named a lot of stuff. But we're also competing against Tenants Vital. That month or that week, Bell Sonic. That month. That's that week. right. Um, the twelfth of August, which in Derry is a big, a big event. Um, there's there's so much going on and so many festivals now. You, you know it, it's. Well, the bottom line though is, Ross, if you were to, you couldn't pick, you couldn't look at the calendar confidently and pick a weekend where you're competing them often. There's always well, stuff that's on. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Got to get at it. Um, and that's so the so move, moving on a wee bit to the, like I, I this conversation is about tips and advice that you would want to give known what you know now as a as a as an entrepreneur because that's what you are you're setting up your startup in the growth phase you're you've taken serious risks uh you're dealing with the weather as a an ally and an, uh, an enemy you're you're dealing with a lot of stuff um what would you change if you were to look back now and you should write if you were to give advice to yourself five or six years ago you still go ahead with it, right? But what advice would you give yourself and what, what what's your learnings been in that period? Uh, I think the advice I would give myself um, is, is to take more risk personally, as in um, I moved back from London and two, the first two festivals I organised, I was living in London um, and I'm, well, I moved back just before the second one and in those three, four years since then, I've kind of worked six months a year, you know, earning no money and all the rest. But looking at it now, I would I, I would give up the full year to focus on Stendhal and be um and just be totally in the zone. Why is that? Why why does that is it because it needs that focus or or you could add greater value to it? I think I could I could add greater value to it. You know, and I, I suppose um I suppose one big thing with the festival is really is getting out and, and raising funds. You know, bottom line, that's that's that gives us capacity. You know, in every shape and form. Whereas you know we're we're approaching year six now. We're all still volunteers. We managed and operated a hell of a lot last year as volunteers. 
برنامجي موضوع جدريس فول تايم So that that is a that's a problem that most people who are setting up business um, face at some point. Um, so you either leave university and you go straight into it with your brilliant tech idea and you're going to save the world and you're going to do that and that's deadly, or you're working in public sector and you've had enough where you get a redundancy in private sector. Or like yourself, you just see a gap and you go for the gap, but you can't fully commit because you have obligations financially. You're you're recently a father, so you've got a lot of personal stuff that you need to contend with as well. So do do you see at some point that you're going to make a jump and just make that disconnect from the from two jobs down to one? Because it's hard. I can't sit in two stools. That's like I, well, that's it exactly, and I think I have to. You know, I think I don't want to be sitting in twenty years' time, uh, whatever is around me, and regret that we got it to this point and then you know looking back that we had sort of just stayed at a level or became more of a hobby than an ambition you know and the ambition's still very much there and everything is going for us so i think that that will come sort of in, in the next 12 to 18 months and that's uh hopefully you know i'll be sitting on the scandal stool and uh, uh a lot more chairs gathered thereafter and, and if you're looking to scale that, your plan for the next five years, what sort of size, what, what's the maximum capacity that you could hope for? Is that, should you just not talk about that and let's just deal with what you can deal with? Or? Well, capacity-wise, you know, our, our site and, and what we have available to us, uh, Cartwrights is, I think somebody measured it, it's over 20,000. We could deal with sort of on-site, if you like. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things you could do. You could look at neighbours parking and what happens with neighbours and all the rest. But for me personally, you know, I I went the electric picnic from the start, so I've seen it grow, you know, and it's now thirty two and a half or thirty five thousand feet, something around that. And for me, the best years of electric picnic was when it was in around twelve thousand. You know, I think once it sort of made that leap beyond that, it was, it felt more commercial. Although it's, it's, it's it's out there for the best festival in Ireland. Uh, don't get me wrong, but you know, it just for me. Uh, I suppose I was always looking at it as uh, overly observant, uh, maybe compared to the rest of the punters. But for me, there was definitely a, a shift um, after once 15,000 was breached. And I don't think Northern Ireland, uh, and certainly us, you know, uh, Electric Picnic promoters wise, is MCD involvement, I think, and you guys call all, all the shots really. And we will always struggle against that, you know, and it's nice to have Alana Henderson and so kind of made those connections. I mean, Alana Henderson was the first person booked for 2013 Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to have those connections and, and eventually some of those connections will come full circle, you know. And well, I mean, whenever you, whenever you scale the event and you're talking about going from 5,000 to well, three times the size, it's not about just scale and economies of scale. It is that connectivity with the bigger promoters it's requiring bigger sponsors it's uh, going from 100 volunteers and 140 volunteers at your max to maybe 50 or 60 full-time staff it changes shape as a beast completely the expectation grows with your customers Um, a lot of things that happen in startups that i would have seen is that people tend to focus more on the product than they do on the customer so at some point you're going to have people with their arms folded going, "Hi hey boy, yeah, yeah. tickets prices have trebled here. Boy, look at the cut of your man. You know, because yeah. that that's an inevitability um, of scaling because you can't keep everybody happy. It's just like come with me in the journey, lads, and they're yeah. coming with you in the journey. And is it a question of be careful what you wish for? I'd say it is. I mean, I think if no matter what you do, career, uh, if you're running your own business or, or whatever. You've always got to be constantly evaluating what you're doing and getting feedback and listening to the feedback. You know, skill wise, I, I just concluding that last one. I, I don't see Stendhal ten to twelve thousand is, is to me is, is the size that Stendhal should be. And then, you know, just what you're saying there about ticket prices increasing. You know, expectation is obviously going to ramp up every year. Even you know, if you're sitting at ten, twelve thousand people for four or five years in a row. Expectation of the artists on the bill is going to go up. Everything is going to go up. So I suppose at that point, you play the tricky game of of, of price. You know, using your price to make that all happen, or look at doing other events. 
uh, maybe doing like a spring event or we've thought about doing a children's event or a couple of day events for adults and kids with learning difficulties you know and that's all to complement everything that we're doing uh, and everything that we want to do and, and be within within our within world so there's all sorts of different dynamics you could do and you know uh, there's a lot of the pathways that I'm talking about that we put in. That's all to me with with the aim of, of being able to do this day festival for adults and kids with learning difficulties, so that they can get a proper festival experience, you know, yeah. rather than getting taken to the beach for an ice cream. Not to sound no, no, I think that's a it's, a it's a it's a very worthy thing. Very very noble, noble indeed. And then, and I last time I was there, or the last time we spoke about this, the the paths weren't in you always had the ambition to to reach out to 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 those people who were disadvantaged emotionally and all that sort of stuff i don't know yeah. using the right language and i apologize for that um but you were fixing the stage you're going to have a fixed stage it's a real commitment to the one spot like you're not going to be in six six years to, you know taking it to port rush this is your home this is going to be like well, a it's, home. It's, it's, it's our home and it's 100 uh all the infrastructure is there we have stages of there year round now in the woodlands and we've got bridges and and all sorts you know it's very much our home um and there's so much more that we can do with it you know so that will all help uh in the scalability of it because we've certainly having been through the journey that we've been in the last five years we've a relatively good understanding of the risks you know so the scale that we were we would be to start if we started say a, a children's festival where kids come for June, slow the sort of slow the downtime. Kids coming, the three or four stages running, just using the bottom field, controlled environment where the kid has choice. Yeah, being a very paramount thing, rather than um, other festivals where you teach maybe books, thirty seats to, to the show or whatever, and maybe ten of them kids are have an interest in it. And that would be an apple and the reporter. Whereas we we can bring them down to a site where there's four or five different things happening at once, and the kid is free to. So are you looking at um, so the festival uh, starts on a Friday and finishes on a Saturday night? Yeah. So you think conceivably of having a Thursday dedicated to? I would love to go to a third day. Uh, well, the third day being the Thursday, for example, and that would be open to uh, teachers with pupils and children. No, this would be a separate, an entirely different. Yeah, day. it would be run sort of uh, within the school calendar year. I mean, this is all hypothetical at the moment, um, but it would be. Of course, because this is in August and schools are off. Right? Okay, yeah, yeah, June yeah. event, but the yeah. main event in August, we we definitely want to get to to three days. But again, that's that's a scale and, and uh, cash in the bank for sure. And um, just on that, so so you've got the technology there to be able to have uh, interviews and live lounge recordings and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Are you intend to use that this year? Are you, are you how are you going to? make the event real for those people who just aren't making it or aren't able to get there for some reason? Well, we're going to, uh, we're going to explore this, this video partnership that we've, that we've got on board and see uh, if there's any appetite from, uh, from the radio side of it to perhaps do some sort of live recordings or um, maybe program an hour to post-festival of, of live recorded material. Um, but yes, definitely... Uh, Having like a live lounge backstage is something that we've talked about every year. Last year we had a big focus on moving our artists and sponsors hospitality area just on the cusp of the actual festival site, which worked really well from a logistical point of view. And it's a stunning spot as well. Um, so, so building on that this year, we're actually putting in a couple of proper structures. So there will be a wee lounge area. And that's, that space will be there, and we do program artists within the, the hospitality area, so there's always a bit of nice background happening. Um, so yeah, we'll just keep building that, and as I say, if we'll certainly be having discussions with people to, to try and have live streaming or, or something fun from, from the event. You, you mentioned um, in passing just there, and I'm sure it's not something that you think about in passing, but commercial partnerships and sponsorships. How, how would you position that and if you had a chance to say something now to potential sponsors um you know your your value proposition and your sales pitch what what, what is that why would you welcome partners on them and is there is there a kind of partner that you would want more than another is it i think as far as partnership goes you know the door's always open at the end of the day partners are, are, are 
bringing the additional capacity to us, and, and we'd like to think that we're bringing capacity to them as well. Um, as an outlet, outlet, we are working on a whole facet of, of, of things within the rural arts world, um, and that's and you know, there's absolutely no reason. In ten years' time, we shouldn't have twenty thousand or thirty thousand people with the right scale. You know, absolutely no one has saved certain artists taken off that we have relationships with and all, all that stuff. There's no reason that couldn't happen. And I suppose for sponsors that may be interested or, or maybe looking for for um, for things to support, Stendhal's perfectly placed in the North Coast within the arts sector as a slightly alternative, not, um, not established, growing, um, and you know they want to grow with supporters. As far as large corporations go and, and sponsorship, those are just discussions that have, have to be had over time. You know we don't certainly don't want uh, Budweiser and Stendhal present Stendhal Festival. You know it's always going to be Stendhal Festival uh, mm. and have an independent flavour to it. I look forward to having that conversation with you in four years' time when it's the uh, it won't be Budweiser. It'll be some craft beer. Or, or, or some Jostex or Petulio oil company, uh, whatever, but but it's going to be hard. Somebody will come to you and say, all right, big lad, uh, there's there's X grand, but we want the naming rights for it. And I know Glastonbury haven't done it, but, you know, Guinness and Witness did it. And most, yeah, a lot of the bigger It's hard to pull away from it. Like, it's a big, big lure of money. It gives you comfort. It gives you... Uh, it gives you planning capacity. It allows you to think beyond this year. You tie in a three-year deal with a sponsor. You know, the, yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, you know, and I would never, never ever dismiss it. Um, you know, especially you know when you're looking to get on to the one seat, as we do at the moment. But at the end of the day, you know, we're very passionate that we have created something, uh, and and we shape it and and nurture it and we see where it is in the future so as far as I mean the, the big corporations I, I suppose that, that would be approaching us are, are drinks corporations mm-hmm. more than likely uh, that said we're we're well wouldn't be anybody else but you know I've never envisaged and I hope I've not even words in four years time that that would that would happen you know we definitely have discussions about stopping a certain product yeah um, and the thing is, the thing in that um, I haven't, and I've tried to 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 um, speak to people about sponsorships across a different number of businesses, and, and mainly in sport, but also in the arts. And I, I, I won't name anybody here because it'll probably not embarrass them, but I actually should embarrass them. I I offered I, Michael Conlon, the boxer, had a chance to uh, he was two years ago. And I just thought this guy is definitely going to qualify for the Olympics. He's going to clean up all around him. He's such a, an amazing fella. He's a really nice lad, uh, a supreme athlete, and he's so driven, it's untrue. Like, his focus is just on wherever. Not dissimilar to the focus that you're talking about. And you're going to be, you're going to be. It's not about what will we do, it's we're going to do. And I had the chance, he wanted to get a car, and I was working with a car client, and I took the, the thing to them, and I said, look, this guy here, just get him a car, you know. I sort of got it'll pay back and, and I think one of the guys said I can't see um, how we could leverage his social his 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 Twitter following. I could then he had thirty thousand people following him on Twitter, you know, and they couldn't see how they could leverage that. Yeah. And and you need a good partner with vision, right? So so but but if you talk about drinks and you think of the, 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 the shift towards plant based eating and you think about this whole um, sustainability thing, like it could be a moment here uh, that that is close to the perfect storm for you where you're offering just coincides with the business plan for somebody who wants to go in the direction you're going. And there are a lot of companies out there, you know, yeah. that, that they need to have a vision. You just need to, you need to be heard, you know? Yeah. And, and I think with this media partnership with the Irish news, uh, river radio and Q, isn't it? River media, yeah. River media that you're, you're going to get that exposure that perhaps you might've been lacking in, in previous yeah, well that, years. Uh, you know, and that definitely brings a lot of credibility to us as an organization and shows that we're, we are a serious proposition and getting that partnership on board I think there's already been interest from uh, very well known whiskey on the back of that you know and that will bring things you know but at the same time we're talking to three or four different craft brewers at the minute who want to support that as an artisan industry mm-hmm. uh, you know so it's, it's just about 
Who's having me do it? But then craft craft markets. Right. Yeah, I think I think you're you're probably in a, in a in a good position where you could interview people. You know, you just you just need to see that let it take its course. This this medium, as I said before, for the people that are, are, are listening, that we're stuck in I was gonna say in the studio, we're we're in in, uh, in the middle of Belfast, and I'm dreaming of just opening my eyes and seeing what you're talking about because um it's just concrete and microwaves around here at the minute and there's festivals kick off every three or four weeks outside in custom house square there and they, they survive and they move to titanic and they'll come back and all that sort of stuff and um give me give me the chance to go to greenfield site literally greenfield site with bluebells and, and the risk of maybe enjoying what you're looking at as well as what you're hearing i take it every day you know yeah. um maybe someday and maybe we'll do a, a podcast from the festival itself and get an interview with some of these people that you're that are involved because you've got a few people that are helping you in this journey as well there oh uh, there's there's i mean not just the hundred volunteers but there are people locally who are who, who are very very supportive of you get a lot of help from businesses locally right yeah we do yeah there's there's a few few people that they're giving us at this stage they're giving us two or three days one day a week Mm-hmm. Out to go into these meetings and, and pushing stand up forward. So yeah, the support we have is, is brilliant, and we're always looking for more, obviously. But we've we can't can't fault the support that we've had to date. You know, it's been brilliant, and uh, there's been a noticeable sort of step up this year and, and input from from Finland and business men. You know, doesn't doesn't surprise me. Like I, again. Um, having only been there for the best part of half a day, um, two or three years ago, and seeing the strides that you've taken, um, moving forward within that period of time, some of the names that are are playing there, and also and without tempting fate, but this is a family event. This is a, a there's no risk to anybody going there. This is a this is like a an ideal two days away from the city into the country. This is like uh, very well, um managed very well organized supremely organized like uh, you know i would recommend that you go and challenge me in that because it is a deadly um it's a brilliantly uh, organized place but you don't get any bother you, there's nothing there's no, there's no just, impediment to going no not at all it's, it's it's a nice crowd it's good good people out uh, as you say out enjoying the fresh air and, and, and sights and sounds i think uh over the last two years so for the last two years we've had uh Nearly eight thousand people on site. There's been three people taken off sites, and you're saying about eighty five thousand, and there's mm-hmm. been a riot. You know, there's three people taken off sites over sixteen acres. You know, it's that, and that's just sort of and that's strength. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, it's nothing malice as such. So when you three guys, three out of eight thousand, that's that's pretty. You know, you don't you don't see it. No, no. As you say, and that's all dealt with professionally and. Quietly and it's not. Uh, there's no no asshole to event at all. And it's it's uh, as I say, there's four generation families that come and spend the day together, which I think is great and memorable. And, and that's exactly what we're all about. And that's why the radio music, you know, it is something for everybody. Uh, and that's why everybody needs to be inspired. You know. I think I really think it's a a brilliant story. Um, it's a you know. Everybody, you can see these little cottage industries. You can see people setting up the wee food companies and investing. I pumping a load of money into them because they're selling children's food down into the into Dublin and and they're selling you know uh, artisan olive oil and and that's class. You know, I think it's brilliant. That that should be celebrated too. But this is something that you know, if you were to say to your friends, yeah, there's a, there's a mini Glastonbury, and I, it's not right to use that. It's a standal in its own right. Um, it's not many anything. It's a standal festival in its own right, taking place in August, and you really want to get yourselves to it. You know, when when you it's seeing is believing and hearing is believing. It's a very audio visual kinetic kind of experience. You just can't listen on a podcast and go, "Oh, geez, I might try that," or listen to read some press ads or get your social media stuff together. It's it's experiential. Like explain standal. We didn't cover that. What so standal is what? What does standal mean? So standal standal is the is the pen name of a. French author, 19th century French author, one of many pen names, uh, pseudonyms. Uh, and basically, Stendhal spent a lot of time in Florence in the 1850s, and I observed that people just come in from rural, like Lemley, Florence, you know, and all the galleries in Florence and the Pitsy and all that. 
is of highly concentrated art. So people would come in from rural Italy and they'd go into the gallery and, you know, we have visuals everywhere around us today, everywhere you look, every pen, the logo, every whatever. But these people have never seen any art. You know, they used to be pretending like flop or whatever they were doing. And they'd come in and they'd, have, they'd react to the art, they'd hallucinate, they'd pass out, they'd faint because they'd never seen anything like it. Um, so, you know, our, our tagline is Stendhal Festival of Art Experience and Syndrome. Um, and in the 1970s, an Italian psychiatrist coined Stendhal Syndrome, uh, which is a psychosomatic illness that causes rapid heartbeat, dizziness, confusion, even hallucinations. <laughs> when an individual is exposed to art, usually the art is a particularly beautiful or large amount of art is in a single place. So even, you know, in recent years, there's been a woman through coffee over the Mona Lisa, and that was said to be Stendhal Syndrome. But it's just a bit of a play on that, on the whole rural arts thing, you know, and the whole ethos of, of what Stendhal observed was really the people coming to discover, and they were discovering, and, and were, it was experiential, and, and were in reactions to it. So for us, it's, it's very much, you know, come and discover what we have to offer at Stendhal, and uh, you will see new stuff, you will hear new sounds, you will, uh, as I say, you'll hopefully leave more inspired than you came in the gate. Uh, and it's a bit of a bad thing, and bring a bit of colour and character to, to the rural valley for a weekend. The, um, the idea that uh, my definition of a brand, and it's a cobbled definition, I've stolen it from a whole bunch of other people, but it's mine for today, is that a brand um, occupies that space in the back of your mind where the important decisions are made. And, you know, you remind me very much, and take this in the right way, and if it's offensive, we can cut it out. Uh, the ice cream market, until Ben and Jerry's came along, and they just threw the whole thing up in the air because the name of the ice cream was weird, their packaging was weird, um, but the product was amazing and they grew because of the product. But the brand, uh, the iconography just helped them to do that because it was different and Stendhal is very different. It's very different to anything else. That There's no uh, shock that you're winning festival of the year, three years in a row, um, because it's different, because it does stand out for all those reasons. And the name itself is, is quirky. You'd be t tempted just when you're on the website, which is, what's the what's the URL for the website? Stendhal? Uh, Stendhalfestival.com. So whenever you go to Stendhalfestival.com, the second thing you should do would be Google for Stendhal yeah. and find out and then enrich yourself even that way, you know. Yeah, My, well, as, I, you were, as you were describing it there, I was thinking it'd be six or seven lads coming up from the country to the cathedral quarter on Friday night <laughs> and not fainting, just fighting, but that's a different thing altogether. Um, so the dates, when is it happening this year? Uh, this year is the 12th and 13th of August. 12th and 13th of August. You're having a big launch this Thursday. This Thursday on site, yeah, down on our work time stage. Okay, so this this podcast will launch after that yep. because I've got some sneaky stuff here that is not uh, known to the rest of the market. Um, but by the time you hear this, it will have launched in all its splendor and you'll perhaps have additional artists to add to that lineup. Yep. You're speaking to all the people as we speak yep. to headline this Saturday and... Oh, well, our Saturday headliner's probably done. Right, okay, um, okay. But um, we are still speaking to quite a few people. So there's there's a lot more to come. And as I say, there's, there's going to be another 15 or 16 acts on, on top of that. So yeah, exciting uh, times. I've mixed up my... I'm trying to just shoehorn everything into a headline and like it doesn't really matter a headline. And I think the, the artists stand out for themselves. Hesse Dixie or play, play... I've played in Belfast a few times and sold out. They sell it wherever they go. They're amazing just... Uh, it's an experiential thing as well like if you're into that sort of stuff which most of us are deep down that kind of bluegrass country is in our DNA because yeah. they stole it from here yeah. and the, the Appalachians and Tennessee and Kentucky and music is all derivative from Antrim so it's not that far away from where it's almost going full circle I suppose yeah. you know yeah. um, and ticket prices ticket prices are uh, well by the time people are listening to this it will be £40 for a single weekend and £75 for a family weekend the families um and you can you there's glamping as well there's you can take you can tent up you can travel vans, yeah there's there's day tickets for the friday or the saturday um camper vans glamping yeah um and i have a nice food and drink on site okay uh ross that's brilliant listen thanks very much for this is um uh, this has been in the making for a while now and it's hopefully a uh, good timing and fortuitous with the launch coming up on on, on Thursday um, I am I've committed to go since the last time I was there and I haven't gone this is a big it's me obviously flaking out again but I would like to to go this year and I'd like to do a podcast from there as well 
to just to and I'd like to do a video podcast because I think seeing is believing and hearing is also believing and it's all about validation and brands don't survive on price they don't survive on nice logos they don't survive on anything else but value experience and attitude and um this is a, this is an amazing brand for the place that we live in and the time we live in and I hope you get as many people through the doors this year as you can because I think it's a brilliant idea and as startups go and as companies go um, then you're doing this uh, with a little bit of help from the, the, the public sector and hopefully a little bit of help from the private sector and an awful lot of help from yourself. I think you should be commended and this is a, a project that deserves as much support as possible man because I think it's a real winner. So listen all the very best. Thanks very much for 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 joining me today this is just under an hour um, as a show um i can't play any more music because there's probably people coming after me and chasing me for that but i would uh, go on to youtube and check out lynch i would check out a uh, badly drawn boy i would check out Alana henderson as well uh, who's not playing this year i would check out kieran lavery who's not playing this year but it gives you an idea of the up-and-coming artists that are playing and then I would watch the press like crazy Thursday onwards to get the full lineup and just follow it the whole way through. Uh, Stendalfestival.com. What's the Twitter handle? Uh, at Stendhal Ireland. Okay. And then there's a whole lot of Instagram and I'm sure Snapchat on the go as well. So um, that's been really enjoyable. I hope you've enjoyed it as well out there. And um, uh, get yourselves up to Limavadi in August. Uh, Ross, thanks very much. Thank you, Nick. Cheers. <laughs> So yeah, Stendhal Arts Festival takes place in uh, August on the 12th and 13th of August, just outside Limavady. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Um, it's a really great fella, um, really honest, very passionate, very sincere, very hardworking and great vision to bring um, a festival of that scale to, to anywhere in the island of Ireland, but to bring it outside um, Limavady just takes a, a lot of guts and a lot of effort. So I wish him all the very best. I'm going to try and get up there to see the Pat McManus band, probably Hesse Dixie, and uh, get stuck into a few bottles of cider. So um, catch me on shift-control.co.uk or shiftcontrol66 on Twitter and take it easy.